me in God's holy word uh, to the book of Romans, chapter 1, and please give careful attention to the reading of, of the very word of the living God. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. <coughs> Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds, and animals, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason... God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, Haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Thus ends the reading of God's very word. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we beg that you would come and that you would preach your powerful, sweet, wonderful, holy gospel 
to our hearts this day. That those of us who know you, Lord Jesus, you would stir us to see afresh how marvelous you are to redeem us, to rescue us, to save us from a life of chaos and death headed for the very pits of hell. And Lord, if there be any listening this day who are apart from you, O oh Lord, awaken them. Uh, draw your lost sheep unto yourself. O oh Lord, show us how desperately we need you, Lord Jesus. And it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Well, last Lord's Day, we continued to look at this passage of Scripture where God reveals to us why we need the gospel. Uh, we see in verse 18 the wrath of God is being poured out. Not only is there a great day of wrath coming, and the book of Romans in chapter 2 is going to talk about that day, but the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, begins to answer this question of why do we need the gospel? Why is the gospel so wonderful? By showing us that God's wrath is presently being poured out. And we began looking at why. Uh, why is God stirred to a holy, righteous anger? And we saw in verse 18 and 19, because fallen man left to himself, men and women, boys and girls, suppress the truth. Even though God has revealed this truth to everyone who has ever lived and will ever live through creation itself that God is, that he is the creator and the sustainer. We see in verse 18, they are suppressing this truth. And 19 and 20, he explicitly says, well, Here's the truth they're suppressing. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. Even though we can't see God, God has revealed the invisible God through what he has made. And we are confronted with this evidence that God is. Well, this has been the case ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, and the last part of verse 20, so they are without excuse. No one is without excuse. Everyone 
has and is being confronted with the truth. We owe God as our creator. That's the truth that is being suppressed. Well, what does God's wrath look like that is being poured out? And that's what we began to look at last Lord's Day. And we saw that even though they knew God, they refused to honor him or give thanks. And so what happened? What is God doing? Well, they became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And in verse 24 and 25, God reveals to us now the heart of what this rebellion really is all about. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. The heart of why God is revealing his righteous judgment is found there in verse 25. Uh, this rebellion of exchanging the truth of God for a lie is not new. It's what took place in the Garden of Eden as Satan came tempting Adam and Eve. And they embraced the lie. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they embraced the lie that they could become their own God. And they could make up their own rules, knowing good and evil for themselves. And all would be well. Satan's lie was, you can be your own God, you can know good and evil for yourself, and you will not surely die. And it was all a lie. It continues to be a lie. It is a lie that is deadly. It is a lie that produces a bitter fruit. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, the Lord tells us what we ought to be doing. Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. But the lie says you can be your own God. Uh, you can make up your own rules. And 
everything will be great. Well, it's all a lie. It's make-believe. But, oh, it produces a disastrous consequence. Now, on the insert you have in your bulletin, there are two songs printed. We're going to sing one of them. We're not going to sing both of them. One of them is perhaps one of the most blasphemous, demonic songs that our culture has ever been confronted with. Now that's, on first glance you go, oh, Blue Eyes' favorite song? You're saying it's demonic? You're saying it's an expression of one of the most wicked songs that our culture has ever been exposed to? Henry, come on. You know this song really can't be that bad. I mean, you know, you can just kind of close your eyes and, and hear old Frank just belting it out. I did it my way. Well, let's look at the words uh, of this song. And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. He's talking about dying. My friend, I'll say it clear, I'll state my case of which I'm certain. He has no lack of confidence in his uh, uh, standing, in his state, uh, in how he's lived. I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway, but more, much more than this, I did it my way. Is that really that evil? Let's keep reading. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. Here's a man who is living what Adam and Eve were tempted to think and do to be their own God, to make up their own rules. And Mr. Blue Eyes says at this point, uh, I saw it through. I, I lived and did what I had to do. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway, but more, much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I could chew, but through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all, and I stood tall and did it my way. Here's a man who says, yeah, there have been some bumps in the road and, and there were times when I couldn't uh, deal with what was in front of me, but there's one thing I've held true to and that's this core truth that I lived life my way. And because of that, I'm good. I've loved, I've laughed and cried, I've had my fill, my share of losing, and now as tears subside, I find it all so amusing to think I did all that, and may I say not in a shy 
way. No, oh no, not me. I did it my way. And now we come to the heart of the matter. For what is man? What has he got? If not himself, then he has not. To say the things he truly feels, and not the words of one who kneels. What's he talking about? He's talking about somebody who's kneeling, acknowledging God Almighty. He's talking about somebody who would look to the Lord Jesus Christ and who would trust in Him and come as one who is saying, I need someone outside of myself to make me right with the living God. No, no. I'm not that man. I've said what I felt. I've lived the way I wanted it to be and the rules I had made up. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. Now this indeed is the song of our culture. It is the song that our culture has embraced. It is the song that they continue to sing. And it is the song that leads to death. And so that's what we see in Romans chapter 1 verse 25. The, the heart of this rebellion against Almighty God is exchanging the truth about God for a lie. It is setting aside that God is the one who made us and he is the one who has told us what is right and wrong and we must live in light of that truth. And to see and think and take to heart that God is and that he is a holy God and to see his standard of right and wrong drives us to the Lord Jesus Christ. That he is the only one who can make us right with our creator because we are fallen in Adam. We are sinners. We have broken God's holy commandments in thought, word, and deed. I'm guilty before Almighty God. What hope is there for somebody like me? Somebody like you. It is not in ourselves to do it our way. To hold on to the lie. It is to turn to Jesus. Repenting of our sin. Laying down our war against God. And saying, I can't save myself. I'm not my own God. You alone are God. You alone can tell me what is right and wrong. And you alone can wash me clean in the blood of the Lamb. And so, O Lamb of God, I am taking you to be my Redeemer. And those are the two songs that are before you this day. You are either singing one of these two songs. And the Lord in this passage of Romans chapter 1 goes on now to show us the culmination of his temporal judgment. 
okay? Temporal, in history, in time. A culture that rejects the Lord Jesus Christ, what is God's wrath doing? What does it look like? And so here we see, now I want you to look at a phrase that occurs several times in this passage. Verse 24, therefore God gave them up. Verse 26, for this reason God gave them up. And then down in verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up. Now we need to talk just a couple of minutes about this little phrase, God gave them up. Because the Bible teaches us very, very clearly that God is not the author of evil. Uh, turn with me to the book of James, the little book of James, um, chapter 1. And here is one passage among many that we could look at that instructs us and teaches us this very important truth. God is not the creator of evil. God is not the author of evil. He is sovereign over evil, yes. And he has evil under his control, yes. And he has a plan in which evil will be dealt with finally and completely, yes. But in the meantime, in the midst of history, we need to understand that God doesn't cause people to do evil. Look at James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And when desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so this passage reminds us, uh, where did Satan come from? Well, God created an archangel, and he was beautiful and perfect. And he turned from Almighty God. The angels that are now demons. They turned from Almighty God. Adam and Eve, they were created perfect to love God. But they turned from God to evil. And that's what Satan loves to see and do. It is to take what is good and true and right and twist it and pervert it and maim it. 
God is going to end history. He will finally deal with evil. He will cast Satan and the demons into the lake of fire. And those who are apart from Christ, who have not repented and believed in the living God and his Savior in this life on that great day, there will be a house cleaning. And those who belong to the Lord Jesus on that day will forever be in the presence of the living God, forever and ever. Uh, God will deliver us from uh, even the, the possibility of sinning. Um, that's going to be a sweet day. I don't know about you, but I get tired of sinning. <laughs> I don't want to sin. I want to walk with God and please Him. Well, a day is coming when God will glorify us. But between now and that day, uh, we are witnessing before our very eyes a huge battle. And this battle, God is revealed to us in Romans chapter 1 and warning us. Uh, God is calling upon us to give ourselves to the Lord Jesus. Now, I want you to turn with me uh, in the book of Exodus. We've read this together recently, and uh, I don't know if it jumped out, um, but notice in Exodus chapter 8, for example, in verse 14 and 15, here we have the plague of frogs. And they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. Uh, I, I cannot imagine uh, having piles of dead frogs everywhere. Verse 15, but when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart, and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. And so Pharaoh hardened his heart. Um, if you look over in chapter 9, verse 34. And so in verse 33, So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and stretched out his hands to the Lord, and the thunder and the hail ceased. And the rain no longer poured upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart. He and his servants, so the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. But notice the next verse in chapter 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants. And so what, what's going on here? Is it Pharaoh hardening his heart or is it God hardening Pharaoh's heart? Well, the scripture tells us it was both. And how did God harden Pharaoh's heart? He did not make him sin. He did not violate what Pharaoh wanted. 
He just simply, as a judge, turned Pharaoh over to what he wanted. God judged his sin by just saying, if that's what you want here, you can have it. I'll, I'll never forget as a little boy visiting my grandparents. And my granddaddy, he was a farmer and he, he, he grew things. And he had not only crops that he would grow to sell, but he had a garden, a vegetable garden. And in his vegetable garden, he grew peppers. He grew sweet peppers at one end of the garden, and at the other end of the garden, he had a section for hot peppers. And he had hot peppers, and then he had hot, 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 hot peppers. And on his dining room table, he had two jars of vinegar that were for flavoring, for like barbecue. There was one that was for everybody, and then there was one that was just for him. And when you would take the cork stopper out of the bottle for everybody, you could see a few little waves of heat coming up. But when you would take the stopper out of his bottle, uh, it, it was like a cloud. And as a little boy, I was visiting, and day after day that week, I, I had said to my granddaddy, Granddaddy, I, I want some of your hot sauce. And he would say every day, no, bud, it'll burn your mouth. And finally, after about five days of this little grandson badgering to have some of his hot sauce, he finally decided, okay, if you think you want some of my hot sauce, I'll give you some hot sauce. But only one drop. And so I was ready. And so he, sure enough, he just put one drop on, on the barbecue I was getting to eat. And I stuck it in my mouth. And I thought, well, that's not bad. And I swallowed it. And then all of a sudden, waves of heat began to course through my entire body. My hair started sweating. I mean, I thought I was going to die. Now, he didn't make me eat it. But he gave me over. He said, if that's what you want, I'll give it to you. And here we see in this passage in Romans chapter 1 that God's righteous judgment, his wrath, is being poured out, and he doesn't make people sin. But as the judge, the holy righteous judge of all the earth, he turns people over to their own depraved <coughs> desires. He says, you think you don't need me? You think you don't want me? You think you can make up your own rules and everything will be fine? Okay, here, you can have. Here's what life is like apart from me. 
And that's what this passage describes for us. Now, praise God, there is a remedy. But when you see a culture that has embraced homosexuality and is saying it's good and it's right and it's true, when you see a culture that has embraced lesbianism and they say, oh, this is beautiful and right and good, you see a culture that is at the end of the line. You see a culture that is in the final stages of judgment from God Almighty. But praise God, even for those who find themselves at the end of the line, there is hope. And that hope is found in Jesus Christ. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to end today by looking at what God Almighty tells us. In verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And here we have a list of sins. This is not an exhaustive list. This is just an illustrative. These are specific sins that if you are giving yourself to and you do not repent of these sins and turn to Jesus, you cannot go to heaven. You cannot be right with the living God. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus will not tolerate sin. He will not tolerate rebellion against sin. Those who embrace the lie and live the lie cannot be right with God. Do not be deceived. Don't Listen to the lie of Satan. Don't sing with old blue eyes. I did it my way. Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, people who aren't married, who are sleeping around, nor idolaters, people who worship idols, nor adulterers, those who are married, who are pursuing and sleeping with someone who is not their husband or their wife, or just thinking about it. Nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. God's standard of right and wrong is very clear. It's very plain. And God says if, if, if you are living in rebellion against God, you can't go to heaven. But praise God, there is a Savior. His name is Jesus. 
And look at verse 11. And such were some of you. Some of these people in Corinth had been fornicators. Some of these people had been idolaters. Some of these people had been adulterers. Some of these people had been homosexuals, had been lesbians, had been transvestites. Some of these people had lived and thought their lives. But Jesus had forgiven them and changed them. Such were some of you. Some of them were drunkards. Some of them were thieves. Some were revilers. But Jesus had forgiven them and changed them, made them a new creation in Christ. That's why we need the gospel. Because Jesus is the only one who can make us right with the living God. And so the other song that you have on your song sheet is the song of praise that there is forgiveness and newness of life. Not only does Jesus justify us the second we believe in him, but he adopts us. And then he is sanctifying us. He's actually changing us. To be a new creation in him. If you belong to Jesus, there's victory for us. And God will have the victory over evil. And societies that shake their fist in the face of God and think that they can live the lie and all is well, it will come crashing down upon them. And that's what we see going on in our culture. God's hand is judging our nation because we have exchanged the truth for a lot and are worshiping and serving the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Well, let's bow before the Lord and pray, and then we're going to sing. Father, how we thank you for the Bible. How we thank you that it is your very word. How we thank you that it is the truth. And Lord, you tell us the truth so that we would, by your mighty hand, repent of our sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we beg that you would awaken the people of our land and begin in our own hearts, Lord. We don't want to sing the song of rebellion that Adam and Eve heard from the hissing mouth of the serpent and embraced, and we are all fallen in in Adam, left to ourselves. We need you, Lord Jesus, to come and rescue us and teach us the song of victory, to have faith in you and to think your thoughts after you according to Holy Scripture in our own hearts, in our homes, in 
the workplace, in the church, in our schools, in the courts, in the legislatures, in every facet of life. Oh, Lord Jesus, we confess you are Lord, and we love and adore you. Please bless us now with great joy to sing the song of victory, to belong to you, O Lamb of God. In Jesus we pray, amen.